Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They'll chat about topics like the state of boxing and sports, music, culture, and family life, along with being a husband and a girl dad. So listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown Lions. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. This episode is brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. So the Lions are coming off of a bye, and if you caught any of the football on Sunday, you will see that the Lions have a bit of a chance in the next few weeks, and I think that that could mean really a little bit of a... I mean, I guess this whole season has been so much a referendum on the Matt Patricia era with the Lions, but these next two weeks should be some sort of turning point one way or the other. The Jaguars and the Falcons are a combined 1-9. and nine. Neither one of the teams are any good. The Lions, as we've heard for much of the past month, even though they are 1-3, believe they are a good team. Reggie Ragland believes they should be 4-0. You hear it from every player that talks. You even hear it from Matt Patricia. that They believe they're better than what their 1-3 record is. Now, a lot of teams will say that, especially early in the season, But here's a chance for the Lions to prove it. They've had a reasonably tough early season schedule. So have, frankly, some of the other teams like the Jaguars and the Falcons. But the Lions kind of gauntlet in the first month with the 4-1 Bears, with the Packers, who are quite good, with the Cardinals, and then with the Saints has not been easy. Even before the season, you could say that that was probably going to be one of the most difficult stretches of their schedule, along with really their last five games of the season. But now it lightens up. They go to Jacksonville, they go to Atlanta. Sure, that's on the road, but these are two games that they should win. Frankly, if they don't win them, I think that that really says a lot about where the Lions are under Matt Patricia, because these are games that they should put away. They should be able to get back to 3-3, three and three, coming home to play the Colts on November 1st, and then maybe you're having a little bit of a different conversation. But that's where things are right now for the Detroit Lions, and we're going to get into that a whole bunch throughout this week, as this feels like a really big week for Matt Patricia and for the Lions with the direction of the 2020 season. 
But right now, today, and then in tomorrow's podcast as well, I want to look more at the front office side of things, particularly the draft. And this is typically something that we would do in the offseason. I believe we even did it at one point earlier this offseason. But with a lot of conversation about where this franchise is and a lot of conversation about how it got there, both with coaching with Matt Patricia, there is something to with Bob Quinn and how this roster was constructed. We could look at free agents if you want, but every team hits and misses with free agents. I think the Lions have actually been largely okay with the bigger name free agents they have signed Jesse James aside, although Jesse James at least is being involved in the offense more these days. But the draft, to me, is the big key. So many teams build through the draft and then accentuate through free agency. That's how the good teams often do it. So I wanted to take a look at Bob Quinn's first four drafts. I don't think it's fair yet to judge the 2020 draft because it's only a quarter of the way through their first season and guys develop at different rates, especially in this pandemic-changed year. But I think it's fair to look at the 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019 drafts. So today on the podcast, we're going to look at the 2016 and 2017 drafts. Tomorrow on the podcast, we're going to look at the 2018 and 2019 drafts. We'll probably have a little bit tomorrow spliced in about the week ahead. And then on Wednesday, we'll get back to the normal mailbag and we'll go from there as we've been doing each week on the podcast. So let's jump right in with the 2016 draft. So here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to go pick by pick the pick the Lions made in whatever round it was. I'm not going to give the actual pick number. And then maybe give a little bit of like whether that was a good pick or not. And theoretically, if there was someone else they could have gone after, maybe if that would have made a little bit more sense. So we're going to start with the 2016 draft. Bob Quinn's first pick as general manager was Taylor Decker. And I think Taylor Decker, when you look at it right now, was about as good as the Lions might have picked at that selection. He's their starting left tackle and has been basically since the day he was drafted. He just signed a massive second contract with the Lions. I think he's been largely very good this year. And I think he's showing he's an average to above average left tackle at a position where that's not always something that's easy to find. I really feel like this was one of Bob Quinn's better draft picks. I would argue it might be one of his better draft picks overall. I would probably say it's his second best first round pick behind Frank Ragnow, who we'll talk about tomorrow. But when you look at Taylor Decker, he was an average to above average left tackle. You knew that that was probably what his floor was going to be. I think that he has been better than that. And when you look at the first round picks of Bob Quinn, he really tries to take high character, high floor players. They may not have as high of a ceiling as some other options, but he tries to be safe or safer maybe than some other people would be in an attempt to make sure they get at least some value and less chance of a bust. So, Who else could they have gone with here? They could have maybe gone with Ryan Kelly. And that goes back to then the Ragnow conversation that we're going to have tomorrow. If they take Ryan Kelly in that spot, I don't know. I highly doubt actually they would take Frank Ragnow two years later. And I think that that's something that 
may not have been as good for the Lions as what they ended up doing because I think they've got two spots on their offensive line largely solidified. The other guy was Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal, looking at the defense now, would have been a very helpful piece for Detroit. Looking at the defense then, when he was drafting in 2016, they still had Glover Quinn. They still had Quandre Diggs. They, they looked like they were in a good spot at safety and didn't necessarily need somebody else to come in and make a difference there. They also had Tavon Wilson and Raphael Bush on the roster too. So they were in a decent spot at safety, I think. And I think that they they knew that. And at that time, they needed a left tackle. Their tackle situation was not good. It was really rough. So they had to figure something out at that point. And Taylor Decker was the right pick at that time. And I would argue... It still is the right pick and the smart pick that Bob Quinn made. Looking at round two, they went with Ashawn Robinson out of Alabama. Ashawn Robinson obviously no longer with the Lions. He is now with the Los Angeles Rams where he hasn't played so far this year due to a medical condition. He had five sacks in his Lions career. And I know what the Lions were trying to do and what they were hoping to get out of Ashawn Robinson. It just never materialized. They hoped they were getting a guy who could stop the run and rush the passer. That could be really versatile. That could be somebody who could be a good interior piece, not at the level of maybe Indomitian Sewer, Nick Fairley, but maybe a guy who could complement at that point Haloti Nada and Ezekiel Ansa as guys that they could build around. Ashawn Robinson never materialized into that. He was at best an average player for the Lions. Might even be pushing it to say that. He developed into a good secondary run stopper. He never really became much of a pass rusher. It just never really clicked for him with the Lions. And then you look at what they could have gotten. Within the next 10 picks, Michael Thomas, otherwise known as the best wide receiver in the NFL, was taken. Deion Jones, who would have been potentially a game-changing linebacker for the Lions, especially in pass coverage, was taken. Tyler Boyd, very good wide receiver for Cincinnati, was taken. Cody Whitehair, who would have been, again, maybe that would have changed what they did with Frank Ragnow, but Whitehair could play guard, so that would have maybe solidified other positions. All were taken in those next 10 picks. I would be willing to wager if they took any of those four players those players would still be on the Lions today and on their second contract. But Bob Quinn with, went with Ashawn Robinson instead. It made sense for what they needed. They needed an interior lineman pretty badly. But they also needed a guard. They needed linebackers. They did need a receiver because don't forget, Calvin Johnson had just retired. They had not signed Anquan Bolden yet to be their third receiver next to Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. Obviously, probably if they drafted Michael Thomas or Tyler Boyd, they don't sign Anquan Bolden. But you look at it and you just say, yikes, because that could have been a big game changer there. That I wouldn't say it was a complete miss by Bob Quinn because at least Ashawn Robinson played out his contract with the Lions. But it definitely could have been a much better pick. Moving on to the third round, look at Graham Glasgow, the guard slash center out of Michigan. This was a good pick. 
it was probably his best pick in this draft. Sure, the Lions could have had Justin Simmons or Joe Schobert. Linebacker was a need. Safety, as we talked about in the first round, not as much of a need, even though Justin Simmons is obviously very, very, very good and they could use him on this team. Glasgow was a good pick. He ended up being a four-year starter for the Lions. He filled in right away. And it's not his fault that Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia don't value guards quite as much as they value tackles and centers, and they knew they needed to pay Decker and would eventually will probably need to pay Ragnow down the road. So they weren't necessarily going to pay Glasgow what he was worth. Now, of course, you look at what could be happening with Halapuli Vitae, and you say, well, they could have kept Glasgow for Vitae's money and had more continuity on their offensive line. But when you look at the draft itself, this was a good pick. This is not critiquing what has happened in the future or what has happened since that pick as far as what moves Bob Quinn has made that may or may not have made sense. But looking at the pick and what it ended up turning out for, for the Lions and the type of player they got, this was a very, very good pick for Detroit. It's the pick that they frankly should have made, especially when you look at who else was available at the time. It was the smart pick. Good on Bob Quinn for making this pick. We're going to hit one more, and then we're going to get into a break, and then we'll come back. The round four pick was Miles Killebrew. And I don't think this was a bad pick in hindsight. You knew what they were trying to do, maybe get a versatile linebacker slash safety defender who could really hit and who had special teams value. Killebrew hasn't really seen the field much as a defender. The Lions have moved him between safety and linebacker throughout his defensive career. But he's become a special teams standout that's been really strong for Detroit. He's a guy that's become a leader in the locker room. He's their NFLPA representative. And he's somebody who they they valued enough to resign on a one-year deal. And he's a core piece of their special teams. On day three, if you can get a guy that you get to a second contract that has a defined role for you on the roster, that is a win. So I would count this actually as a win for Bob Quinn. The one player that stood out in like that next five to ten picks or so was Devondre Campbell. Campbell, I think everybody would agree, might have been the better selection overall, but Killaroo hasn't been bad. Again, Campbell would have been another guy that, frankly, the Lions could have maybe used to solidify their linebacking core. Could have been a guy that maybe could have helped cover receivers, or not really receivers, but tight ends and running backs. He has some ability to rush the passer. So he might have actually been the smarter pick, but I have no problem with that Killebrew pick there based off of what he has become. But Campbell would have maybe been the smarter selection, but I, I won't bo- quit, bang Bob Quinn too bad on that. We'll be back with the rest of this draft and also the 2017 draft right after this break here on the Michael Rothstein Show. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. 
Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million, yes, that's 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. And the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, back to our show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sticking with us. We are going to jump right back in, looking at the fifth round of the 2016 draft. And the Lions had two picks in the first, fifth round. First, we will look at Joe Dahl, the offensive lineman out of Washington State. So when they took Joe Dahl, they knew he was going to be a project. Joe Dahl himself even admitted that he probably got more out of what he played in high school than what he did at Washington State under Mike Leach when it came to making that transition to the NFL. Remember, when Joe Dahl played at Washington, they didn't have tight ends on their roster. He had played tackle, so he hadn't even played inside, so he had to learn how to play next to somebody else again on both sides. It was a big learning process for for him, and it took a number of years for him to really, really get there. So what have the Lions gotten out of their fifth-round pick? They've gotten a guy who's a reliable starter, who's an average NFL player, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. He's a guy that the Lions can feel comfortable with, plugging him in in multiple positions. They know that if they move him to the bench... That's okay, and they can put him in in a pinch at either guard or center, and they're getting somebody who can play reliably and give them good work. In the fifth round, you'll take that. They've given him a second contract, so they clearly value him, and he's somebody that my belief is on every good team, you have third-day picks that become average players that you can build that middle class of your roster around. Joe Dahl is the epitome of that. And I think it really worked out when you, especially when you look at some of the other players they could have taken, I don't think any of them have developed quite as well as Joe Dahl in that range of the draft. So Joe Dahl, again, another good pick, I think, for Bob Quinn with the Lions. And if you look at it so far through his first five picks, there's only been one pick that you're like, eh, I really don't think that that was quite as good, and that is Sean Robinson in the second round. Unfortunately for Bob Quinn, it doesn't go quite as well the rest of the way here for this draft. 
The second round, fifth round pick was Antoine Williams, the linebacker who played college ball in Georgia, not at the University of Georgia, but at a smaller school in Georgia. And Antoine Williams lasted a year and change in Detroit. There weren't many great picks in the ones kind of immediately after him, but they could have taken Alex Collins. Alex Collins might have given him a little bit more as a running back, but even Alex Collins has been very, very hit and miss at best. So I think it was a meh kind of time of the draft, but Antoine Williams definitely was not a good pick for the Lions. They probably could have figured out something else. Williams basically gave them a special teams guy, and that was pretty much it. And uh, I don't even think he's in the league anymore. He bounced to Minnesota a little bit after that and just kind of that was it for him. Then you go to round six, and this is where it gets a little bit even dicier for the Lions. Their first pick in round six was Jake Rudock, the quarterback out of Michigan and Iowa. I like the idea behind what they were trying to do with Rudock. I liked the Rudock pick at the time. He seemed like a pro-ready quarterback, having played under Kirk Ferentz and under Jim Harbaugh. They were taking him to be a developmental quarterback. There was no question about that. They were taking him as a guy that could eventually maybe become the number two quarterback down the road, replacing Dan Orlovsky. That was what seemed like was going to be the plan. It never quite got there. Rudock never got to the point where he truly was able to hold on to that number two job, even though he did hold it for a period of time. So the pick didn't really work out. He's in Miami now. They could have had Wes Schweitzer, Although, by now, they would have taken Graham Glasgow, so I don't know how much they would have needed Wes Schweitzer, especially because, don't forget, at the time, they still had Larry Warford, and at that moment, at least, Lakin Tomlinson and Travis Swanson on the roster, so you didn't necessarily need a multitude of offensive linemen, plus they just took Joe Dahl as a development piece. They also, if you're going to look at purely at quarterbacks, they could have taken Jeff Driscoll, which obviously Jeff Driscoll eventually became a backup quarterback to Matthew Stafford later on. But my guess is Driscoll would have had a similar arc to Jake Rudock had he been taken in this spot by Detroit. So kind of like an okay, whatever pick. At this point in the sixth round, it's somewhat dart throws. Then with their second pick in the sixth round, they took Anthony Zettel. Zettel was okay for Detroit under Terrell Lawson's scheme and under Jim Caldwell. Heck, if that type of defense was still with the Lions, Anthony Zettel may very well still be in Detroit. He's bounced around the league since, but he got caught in that scheme shift like a couple of other players did, notably Kerry Hyder, that eventually led to him needing to go somewhere else, and they ended up cutting him, and... He has since bounced around to Cleveland, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Minnesota, and New Orleans, either on the regular roster in the offseason or on the practice squad. So he's been bouncing around the league good enough to get shots, but not good enough to really stick anywhere. Arguably the best kind of part of his career was really his first couple of years when he was playing with the Lions. So not a terrible pick. At the time, it was probably the right pick for Detroit, especially based off of what he gave them early on in his career. But it just didn't quite work out because, again, of the coaching change. And that ends up being the case with so many players around the league so often. But look at his time with the Lions. He had career highs and tackles. 
in 2017 for him. He had a career high in sacks in 2017 at 6.5, and then he was cut right before the start of the 2018 season. So he was an ascending player, and again, I think if he had still been in that system, he might still be in Detroit. So I don't totally think that that was a bad pick based on what Bob Quinn was drafting for at the time. Then there's the last six-round pick, and that was Jimmy Landis, the long snapper out of Baylor. And this is a theme, if you notice, in all of Bob Quinn's drafts. Sometimes it comes late in the draft. Sometimes it comes early in a draft. But there's always one pick where you're like scratching your head and you're like, why exactly did they do this? Maybe it's Bob Quinn being a little too cute or being a little too bold or being a little too, I don't even know the right word for it. But Jimmy Landis was that pick for the Lions. I remember when they took him. So the Lions press room was different. We were kind of all in one room at the time. And I there was like, I don't want to say it was a laugh, but it was more of like, okay, he's trying to be Bill Belichick. Because at that point, I think it, like they had taken Joe Cardona, the Patriots had, a few years earlier. So it was like, okay, he's clearly trying to do something. Plus, obviously, they have Dom Yulbach and... Dal Mulebach is, you know, what he is. They had taken, the Patriots had taken Joe Cardona in the fifth round in 2015, so a year earlier. So you kind of said, okay, they're trying to replace Dal Mulebach. And no, 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 this did not work at all for Bob Quinn, for the Lions. This was Bob Quinn trying to be too cute. Jimmy Landis never played for Detroit. Dom Mulebach beat him out. Jimmy Landis, I don't even believe he took a snap in the regular season in the league. Just did not work out at all. I will say this. Jimmy Landis was great for stories in those first few months after because he was really good friends with Johnny Manziel at the time. And he had a really interesting story. Like he knew some of the Dude Perfect guys. He, he had a really interesting story, which was great from my perspective, but from the Lions, from a football perspective, this was a pick that could have been better used almost anywhere else. They could have had a Landon Roberts, who maybe looking down the road would have been a fit for Matt Patricia's scheme at linebacker. And again, linebacker is a position I think that they needed at the time. They could have had Stephen Weatherly, who could have maybe given them another pass rusher, although they had just taken Anthony Zettel, but you can never have enough pass rushers. Or they could have even taken current Lion, J. Ron Curse, as a bigger safety. Now, I don't know if Curse would have fit in to what Terrell Austin wanted at the time, so that's something to think about as well. Plus, they had taken Miles Killebrew already in the fourth round, and they had Tavon Wilson on the roster. So not sure where J. Ron Curse would have fit, but... Any of those would have been better potential options than Jimmy Landis. Then going into the seventh round, the Lions took running back Dwayne Washington out of Washington. Washington didn't last all that long in Detroit, but he did get some run with the Lions while he was there. It was an intriguing selection at the time. He's still in the league. He's a guy that has all of the talent. It just never quite came together for him. And they did give him a good shot. While he was in Detroit. Washington did end up playing two seasons in Detroit. He's been with the Saints since. He started two games as a rookie. He played 17 games. He ended up not running a ton. He actually never averaged over three yards a carry in a season in his time with the Lions. So it never quite came together for him. 
And it hasn't totally come together for him with the Saints, but he's been a guy who can stick around the league. He's got some special teams value, and the like size-speed combination is there where he still becomes an intriguing player. I don't think this was a terrible pick for the Lions because as a seventh-round pick, they got something out of him for a couple of years. But I would think that if they had to do it again, considering he was available as undrafted free agents... They might have gone in a different direction. Some guys they could have had, Michael Pierce, Corey Littleton, Cravion LeBlanc, who ended up being with the Lions for a minute, Robbie Anderson, the receiver, or Jalen Richard. I think they all would have worked out better for the Lions. Of course, we don't know how they would have developed in Detroit, whether they would have gotten opportunity. But a guy like Michael Pierce, for instance, would have potentially been great for the Lions because they would have had a replacement for Haloti Nada. But who knows if he would have even made the team at the time. So there's a lot that goes into it. By the way, I apologize if you heard the little, like, beep, 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 beep. Uh, For whatever reason, even though my work cell phone was across the room, Siri decided to try and talk to me. That was very strange. I don't know if that's happened to you before. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little little uncomfortable. But anyway, that is where they were in the 2016 draft. And as you can tell, it, it wasn't a bad draft for Bob Quinn. I think he got... A lot of value out of certain spots. I think he hit decently on some of his third-day picks, which is, I think, about as good as you can ask for when most in most drafts. I don't think he had too many horrible misses other than Jimmy Landis, and at least that kind of being-too-cute pick was a sixth-rounder instead of an early-rounder, which we'll get to soon enough, as I'm sure you're all aware. So I think overall it was a good first draft. He needed to get a lot of depth. Remember, that was a big thing for him. He felt like he needed to increase the depth in the middle class of the roster. I think he did that in this draft. And I would give it overall a B- minus because you had a couple guys that got second contracts with the team in Joe Dahl and in Taylor Decker. You have a guy who's a starter elsewhere now in Graham Glasgow. You got a good special teams contributor in Miles Killebrew. And you have a few other guys that gave you a couple of years when, you know, the average NFL career is about three years, a little bit over that. If guys are giving you a couple of years and then they bounce around the league elsewhere, especially when you had a coaching shift, which in the case of definitely Anthony Zettel, I think changed the trajectory of his career in Detroit. I think overall that's a win of a pick. So good first draft for Bob Quinn. Now we're going to move on to the 2017 draft. And this one... Not quite as good. We'll start the first round with linebacker Jared Davis out of Florida. Obviously, Jared Davis, there's been a lot of talk about him over the last, say, year or so. The Lions didn't pick up his fifth-year option. His playing time has gone from a lot to a little to a lot to a little so far throughout the course of the first quarter of this season. But, again, remember how Bob Quinn looks at first-round picks. High character, high floor, low bust potential, maybe not too high of a ceiling. I don't think you can call Jared Davis a bust because he's still with the team and he's still at least contributing. He is definitely not what you wanted out of a first-round pick, but I wouldn't go pure bust potential, especially when you consider the other guy that was being floated in this spot, Reuben Foster. Reuben Foster, probably more talented than Jared Davis. Reuben Foster would have been a much bigger headache than Jared Davis, who has not been a headache at all. I mean, the one thing that you can say about Jared Davis, whether it was with the old regime or the current regime, is they love Jared Davis, the human being. They love Jared Davis, the locker room guy. 
from that perspective, it was an A-plus pick. Reuben Foster, I don't know if he would have been that. So you look at that and you say, okay, that was a win in there. But this is where this pick ends up being not good. You look at who else the Lions could have had. I'm just going to list these names, and I hope you don't turn off the podcast. Tredavious White. Evan Ingram. And remember, this is tight end at the latter half of the first round, not the top ten. Tack McKinley. Jabril Peppers. And this last one is probably the the toughest one to swallow. T.J. Watt. Because I think if they had taken T.J. Watt, that might have changed the entire direction of the defense of this franchise because he is such a good linebacker, such a versatile defender. He would have given them the pass rusher that they so sorely need now out of the linebacker edge rusher position. He could have been a completely dynamic defender for Detroit, and they passed on him. Pittsburgh took him. Pittsburgh's defense has been fantastic. Detroit passed on him. Detroit's defense not as good. Obviously, Jordavius White would have been an unbelievable pairing with Darius Slay for a while would have made getting rid of Darius Slay a lot more palatable because he would have been your number one corner and that would have maybe made some more sense. Also would have given you stability at the second corner. And if they had taken Tredavious White, it would have potentially saved them from what they did in round two, which we're going to get to in a second. But man, that, that Jared Davis pick, again, an okay pick, not a bust, but considering who else they could have had, whew, that's, that's a rough one for the Lions. Which takes me to round two. And this is the Bob Quinn, too cute, really bad, rough, kind of from the minute he took him, there were a lot of questions, pick of the 2017 draft. You already know who I'm talking about, Tease. Tabor. I remember that press conference after they took Tease Tabor. Bob Quinn was asked about his speed because there was major concerns about that. Bob Quinn said he scouted him more than any other prospect he did that year. He personally vouched for him. Tease Tabor was a bust with the Lions. It never worked for him. He didn't even finish out his first contract with the team. He has since gotten to a Super Bowl, at least on the practice squad, with the Niners. But it, it just didn't work. He never got his footing. It never never connected for him. Whenever he got on the field, he just wasn't fast enough to, to roll on this level. And then you look at who, who the Lions could have had instead of T-Staber. Never mind if they had prioritized a little bit different. And they needed a linebacker at the time, although obviously we covered in 2016. If they had maybe made some different moves there, a linebacker might not have been as big of a need. But had they taken Tredavious White there, maybe they would have gone another direction. Even if they didn't, even if they went with linebacker taking Jared Davis still, here's who else they could have taken. Zach Cunningham, the linebacker. Jadobi Awuzie, a cornerback who, frankly, would have been a better pick than Tease Tabor. Juju Smith-Schuster, who could have helped solidify the receiver position Obviously, at that time, they didn't necessarily need a receiver, not in the way that they do, obviously, right now, potentially down the road. But Juju, as we've seen, is a guy who is capable of being dynamic. He is capable of being a game-breaker. You knew he had potential coming out of USC, so none of that was a question. 
And when you look at their receivers that they had in that two, on that 2017 team, again, they were, they were good receivers. And we'll get to it a little bit more here with their next pick because had they taken Juju Smith-Schuster, they might not have taken the guy they had now. And I would argue the guy they have now might be as good, if not better, than Juju. But they needed a receiver to go with Marvin Jones and Golden Tate because Anquan Bolden wasn't back. So you knew receiver was a need, and Juju could have fit in really well there. The other guy is Dalvin Tomlinson. They need interior linemen. You look at who they had on the interior of the line, and it, I mean at that point, again, Caldwell defense, but you're looking at Sean Robinson, who they took a year ago, who was okay, not great. They had Akeem Spence in the middle, who again did, played his role. Kerry Hyder had gotten hurt. By that point, Haloti Nada eventually got hurt. They really maybe could have used Dalvin Tomlinson, and that could have been a guy who could have been a difference maker for them in the middle. And maybe would still be on this roster. And then if you want to go even further down, just to rub, not want to say rub it in, but show how much difference this could have been, they could have had Alvin Kamara or Cooper Cup. Again, Cooper Cup, a receiver, would have made, I think they'd rather have Kenny Galladay, who we'll get to in a second, than Cooper Cup. But man, if they had taken Alvin Kamara there, then they probably don't take on Johnson when they take on Johnson a year later. But Alvin Kamara would have been absolutely dynamic for them. Probably would have been the theoretic replacement. But they would not have run into the Amir Abdullah problem that they had when Amir Abdullah got hurt. And then obviously you had Zach Zenner and Dwayne Washington and... Uh, you know, they eventually ran Tion Green out there. Alvin Kamara could have been a complete game changer for that offense. And you wonder if they had taken Alvin Kamara instead of Tease Tabor, if Jim Caldwell might have still been here because Alvin Kamara might have been the savior and the solve for the running game that the Lions have been looking for for years. Of course, however, Jim Caldwell never had a really good rushing offense, so who knows what Alvin Kamara would have turned into had he been with the Lions. Moving on around three... Kenny Galladay, already mentioned, absolutely the right pick. It's probably, when you look at round compared to value, Bob Quinn's best pick in his time as general manager with the Lions. There's no argument for any other player in that area at this point. He's a pro bowler. He was a steal. There's really not much else to say. The biggest question now is whether or not he's going to be a Lion after this year. Obviously, the Lions can franchise tag him if they don't get a contract done. But Kenny Galladay was a great pick. As we've talked about on prior podcasts, the third round seems to be the sweet spot for Bob Quinn more often than not. He's two for two in his first two drafts in the third round with Graham Glasgow and Kenny Galladay. Maybe his two best picks overall when you consider round value versus production. Obviously, Frank Ragnow would be another guy that's in that conversation. But Kenny Galladay, great pick. That's That, that probably bumps this whole draft up an entire grade for Bob Quinn. Moving into day three of the draft, round four, first fourth round pick was Jalen Reeves-Mabin. Much like the 2016 selection of Miles Killebrew, didn't really end up, or hasn't at least so far at this point in his career, become that dynamic defensive piece that maybe they were hoping for. But Jalen Reeves-Mabin is a strong special teams contributor, He is one of their core special teams players. You know what you're getting from him. You can put him in at linebacker in a pinch, and he can fill in admirably. 
There's nothing wrong with that. I think you take that as a day three pick. They could have had Samson Abukum. He was taking the pick right after. Maybe again, like that Killebrew pick, Abukum maybe gives them a bit more defensively. But I don't think you get too upset at the Jalen Reeves-Maven selection because I think he gave he's given the Lions something good. He's still on the team. And he has a defined role. And again, as I said with Killebrew, if you're taking a day three pick and he ends up having a defined role four years in, that's, I think, a good selection. The wheels kind of come off a little bit after this pick. The second fourth round pick was Michael Roberts. This ended up being a big miss by Bob Quinn. Roberts never really stuck well with the Lions. He ended up, he's now out of the league. He's retired. It just completely fell apart for him here. It never really worked out. The Lions could have had Jamal Williams, the running back from Green Bay. Could have had Dietrich Wise, which again, considering a year later, Matt Patricia ends up being here. Maybe that would have been a better scheme fit, would have given them another defensive lineman. And that's been a problem for Bob Quinn throughout his draft is a lack of really value when it comes to edge rushers and defensive linemen. They both could have filled holes better considering the Lions really didn't get much out of Michael Roberts. Even when you look at what they had on the roster at that time, you had Eric Ebron, you had Darren Fells, Hakeem Velez ended up being somebody who had some value for you at that time. So Michael Roberts just, you know, it it just didn't end up working, as we all know, moving forward. Going into the fifth round, this was another great pick by Bob Quinn, Jamal Agnew. Agnew hasn't given them much at corner. He's actually a receiver now. He hasn't given them a ton at receiver, but he's still transitioning there. But they kind of took him to be a returner. You knew he was going to be a returner. I think anything they gave him at a corner, whether he ended up being a slot corner or whatever, was a bonus. And I think you feel the same way right now as a receiver. But as a returner, he's one of the better ones in the NFL. He's an all-pro. He's dynamic as a punt returner, dynamic as a kick returner. He's had some struggles here and there, but all in all, he's a guy that also, whenever they've thrown a challenger at him, whether it was this year in training camp with Jason Huntley or before with some other guys, he ends up winning the job. You look who was taken around him. This was a great pick by Bob Quinn, the right pick by Bob Quinn. This was a win of a pick by Bob Quinn, the second best pick he made in this draft. Moving to round six, Jeremiah Ledbetter, the defensive tackle. Just never really worked for him in Detroit. He was gone from Detroit less than a couple years after he was taken. And he's like some other guys, he's bounced around the league since, but he hasn't really kind of established his niche anywhere. He was in Tampa Bay for a little while. So, eh. Here's a guy they could have taken. I would have taken Isaac Rochelle from Notre Dame. He was taken 20 picks later. I think that would have been the better pick. In round six, like we've talked about, these are more dart throws. A lot of Half of these guys don't even end up making the team. Or if they do, they make it for a year and that's it. Jeremiah Ledbetter completely in that category. Second round six pick was the quarterback, Brad Kaya. I understood why they took Brad Kaya at the time. This was a complete, why is Brad Kaya still here? Because if you remember... There were some draft analysts who had Brad Kaya at one point in the 12 months before the draft 
as the num- potential number one overall pick in the draft. So to get him in the sixth round made sense. Again, it's a dart throw. Again, it's a developmental project. Brad Kaya never even made the team. I remember he ended up getting picked up. I think it was by Carolina when he got released. Otherwise, he likely would have been on the practice squad. Jake Rudock beat him out for that job. I don't fault Bob Quinn too much for trying to do this because, again, late dart throw, to me, makes sense. Why not take a shot on him? Because if he had worked out, then you have your backup quarterback position pretty much stabilized. And to me, that's a win if you're the Lions. But again, I don't think that that's a bad thing. And it just didn't work out for Brad Kaya. Again, he's a guy like, in some ways like Jimmy Landis, who was great for stories early on because his mom was in Friday. His mom was by Felicia. And... He ended up being an interesting guy while, you know, we were kind of talking with him while he was here for that very brief time in 2017. And he ended up being coming back later in 2017, but didn't, didn't really do anything. And he's, to my knowledge, out of the league at this point. So, yeah, um, that's kind of where where he is. Again, I don't think it was a bad pick, but it certainly wasn't a good one. Then in round seven, they took Pat O'Connor out of Eastern Michigan. Another dart throw that didn't work. Pat O'Connor still in the league. He is in Tampa Bay. He's carved out a role in Tampa Bay, but just didn't really work for the Lions. They had a couple of other people, obviously, that they were looking at ahead of him. I remember that seemed like that was potentially a close battle during training camp. I actually remember writing about his hair because he hadn't cut his hair and was going to cut it off. I believe it was for locks of love, if I remember correctly. But it just, you know, I obviously did not work for him, but he's been in Tampa since, and he's been largely kind of a practice squad slash special teams guy, and he hasn't played a ton. But, you know, for a seventh-round pick, the fact that you're still in the league right now, not a bad thing. Of course, here's when you look at much like we looked at last year's with seven round pick with Dwayne Washington, who's no longer on the team. You look at who maybe else they could have taken as either late seventh round picks or undrafted guys: Blake Jarwin, Taysom Hill, Keelan Cole, Austin Eckler, Matt Breida. Eckler and Breida obviously would have been very helpful as running backs. And if you look, it shows as we've talked about kind of every year how you can find running backs late in the game as well as early in the game. As the Lions, as we'll talk about here on tomorrow's podcast, definitely have focused on running backs early here and there. So overall, this draft was not good for the Lions. They had two picks that I would consider good. Another that was passable, that was their first round pick, so you hoped you would get more out of that. And a lot of guys that just didn't work. And I give this great this draft a C minus and that's largely because of Kenny Galladay and Jamal Agnew. Those are the only reasons, but when you have as many picks as the lions had, they had nine picks and to only hit on two guys, two and a half guys. If you consider Jared Davis a hit, but as a first rounder, I don't necessarily consider that a hit unless they reach a second contract, unless there's other reasons at play, but not, I don't consider them in this case. That is not a winning draft. When you miss as badly as you missed in your second round pick in Tease Tabor and you see who they could have had otherwise, 
whoo, that is really rough. And it's not like they filled in with a lot of depth here because most of these guys didn't even make the team for a couple of years. Some didn't make the team, period. So, yeah, I I mean, I would say, okay, I'll even give you Jalen Reeves-Maven. So, as a half. So you hit three guys out of nine. That's what that's at best a little bit at one third or over. Gotta hit on half of your picks. Especially if you're trying to build the depth of your roster, which at this point Bob Quinn was really trying to do. So that's where I kind of see the 2017 draft. And I think that that's when you look at the roster right now and look at maybe some of the issues that they have, I think you can point to this draft where a lot of these guys would be in their fourth year and maybe be the core of your team and they're not here because they didn't work out. Again, some because of scheme shift, some because of talent. That's really rough. So that's about it for today's podcast. On tomorrow's show, we're going to hit the 2018 and 2019 drafts, which I think will be even more interesting to look at considering those were drafted for Matt Patricia and how some of those have gone. And the genesis of kind of this idea, or one of the genesis points, we'll be talking about tomorrow, and that's Travis Fulham, who is playing very well in Philly the last few weeks. So we'll get into that a little bit tomorrow as well. want to thank y'all, as always, for listening. want to thank my sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. You can follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. If you have any questions for this week's podcast, hit me up on Twitter or on Instagram. Be happy to add to them on Wednesday's show. And with that, we will talk with you tomorrow. <laughs>